Hi. <laughs> I didn't hear nothing. I was just waiting for you. I'm sorry. Because I have the headphones in, you're not going to hear it. You were supposed to watch for my signal. I wasn't watching. Next time you should check. Okay. Never mind. Um, Welcome to Miner's Mayhem with Eden and Brianna. That was a wonderful comeback that we got going here. I've got a couple apologies here in advance. Um, my notes are all over the place between the computer and my paper, so I will be shuffling stuff back and forth. And also, it's such a beautiful day that we could not tell our kids that they could not ride their dirt bikes. So if you hear dirt bikes screaming by, it's just our littles having a blast. So it's my week to bring you one of the more horrific murders I've researched. Researched, excuse me. Researched? Yep. Get it together. Come on, tell me. <laughs> but before I drag you down that heinous path, did any of you see the news about the funeral home in Colorado? Bree, did you? No. Get ready to hold on to your hat here. On the 4th of October, 115 decomposing bodies were found at the Return to Nature funeral home in Penrose, Colorado. Apparently, the investigation began after someone reported a putrid smell emanating from the funeral home area. Fremont County Sheriff Alan Cooper said at a news conference that the scene inside the building was, quote, horrific. To ID the decaying bodies could take several months, but they plan on notifying families as soon as possible after positive identification. This funeral home was known for performing green burials. What is green burials? Those are burials without embalming chemicals or metal caskets or even like a cement vault. They keep everything as natural as possible. Um, I don't know how many states allow this, but I know from losing both my parents that we chose not to go through the embalming process, so we had 24 hours for burial. Now, both my parents chose cremation and not to be embalmed, so they were both kept properly refrigerated until cremation. So you're saying the bodies in Colorado weren't properly refrigerated? That is exactly what I'm saying. They were just kind of all over this nurse, this uh, funeral home. Did it smell? Well, yeah. If if you were paying attention. Sorry. I was <laughs> messing with stuff. I know you were. You would have heard me say that it came to everybody's attention because of the putrid smell that was emanating from there. Ew. And there was apparently many levels Decay. Decomp. Yeah, mm. decomp. It just unbelievable. Um, when you choose not to be embalmed, you have 24 hours to be buried. Um, my parents were properly stored in refrigeration until their cremation. Each state has different laws, I would imagine. But here, if you choose not to be embalmed, the facility has to have proper body storage. And apparently the place that these bodies were discovered did not have them in refrigeration. Gross. And they were not buried within the 24-hour time frame. You know what I smell? What do you smell? A lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> How right you are. 
I, I can only imagine it's under investigation now. And they're saying it's just going to take forever to, they're going to have to use DNA, fingerprints. I mean, just oh, go. Oh, I suppose to yeah. get a hold of the Well, to identify, yeah. Even and identify to, them. Yeah. Because I'm, I could only imagine the level of decay. Some of them probably couldn't even be identified. And I am so sorry to anybody that discovers that their family member is in this place. But anyway, the whole thing is under investigation. I hope they sue them to the ground. Yeah, it's uh, another interesting thing to follow. So that's my interesting news. But enough of the side news here. Let's get on to this case. Um, what are we doing? We are, oh man, I am bringing you on a ride for episode number four. We are doing the case of... Krista Pike. I don't think I've heard of this one. Good. Um, or, or I probably have. But... Well, let me know if it rings a bell once we get going. My memory sucks. <laughs> so I'm going to give out one of the biggest trigger warnings ever. This case includes sexual abuse, child neglect, attempted suicide, and of course, murder. So mm-hmm. definitely not for your littles. Put them away, do whatever, put them down for a nap, just get away from the littles. No tiny humans. Probably not. Yeah, no tiny humans. Um, Are you ready, Brie? No. Once again, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to be bouncing around between my computer and my written hand notes that were not entered into my computer because, you know, procrastination. So... Bear with me as I bounce around all over, try to bring you everything that I have written down in every place you could possibly imagine. Let's do it. Should we do it? Are you now ready? I, I, I don't have a choice. No, you do not. So let's go. Krista Gale Pike was born on March 10, 1976 in West Virginia. Her parents were Glenn and Carissa. Krista didn't even get a fair shot while she was developing in her mom's womb. Krista continued to drink and party it up during her pregnancy. Krista was born premature and kept in the hospital for a period of time. Now, most parents would be at the hospital spending time with a newborn and following along and joining in on the care and the treatment plans, etc., but not Krista. She chose to be out partying instead. Oh, man. It hits a little close to home for me, but we won't well, get into that. Well, yeah. Leland was in the NICU for how long? Four days. Yeah. And I was there every day. You didn't day. leave? No. No. But not. I was talking about a different scenario. Oh, my bad. But it's fine. We won't get into it. Okay. I'm lost. You can fill me in later. Yeah. Now if that you, I've... If, if you think about it. Well, I don't have time to think about it. True. Okay. Okay. We'll Never think mind. about it later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. We're not talking about that on air. Light bulb. I, yep. <laughs> just went off. Ding, ding, ding. Does it have something to do with head trauma? Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. Okay. Light bulb. Yep. Shutting up now. Okay. Back to the case. Um, um, anyway, <laughs> I lost my spot. Sorry. So did I say that she continued to drink and party it up during her pregnancy? Yeah, and she was... Born premature. Okay. 
She was so, partying when she was in the NICU. So in my mind, I can only imagine that this severely compromised the bond that should have developed between mother and daughter. And you want to know the most craziest thing here? Krista was actually a nurse. Yeah. Fudge. Front door? Front door. She had to have knowledge about what this was going to do. What were her, like, since she was partying and drinking while she was pregnant, what did, did that have any effects on Krista? Oh, absolutely. And we will get into that. Absolutely. I'm jumping ahead. Okay. Okay. So, like I said, the crazy thing here was that Krista was actually a nurse and it didn't seem to matter. She still chose partying over the welfare of her newborn child. And this was in 76, you said? So, excuse me, sorry. To get to your question, Brianna, which happened to be my next paragraph, signs of fetal alcohol syndrome showed up in the form of seizures when Krista was an infant. Wow. So she did have some form of of side effect from the partying. And her mom was a nurse, and she knew all of this could happen. Yes, ma'am. And she chose to do it anyway. Yes. She's going to burn in hell. I ain't no judge, but that's what I hope for. Right. So anyway, from here on out, her childhood only gets worse. She was doomed from the starting gate. Glenn and Krista went their separate ways not long after Krista was born. This causing Krista to be sent back and forth between her mother in North Carolina and her father in West Virginia. Virginia. Allegedly, Krista began. <laughs> Allegedly, Krista began being sexually abused by her grandmother's boyfriend, starting at the age of two. So here we go. At the age of nine. Krista was raped by a neighbor. None of this was reported by the adults in her life who were supposed to be protecting her. In fact, in my research, I found that when Krista told her mom about these occurrences, her mom didn't even believe her. Are you kidding me? No. And it was at this point, at nine years old, that Krista attempted suicide by overdosing on Tylenol. At nine? Nine years old. She was diagnosed with depression, but never received the proper treatment. Mom mom must have been too busy partying to give a shit about her daughter. So I want to know if she had fetal alcohol syndrome. Yes. Why wasn't she taken away from her mom while she was in the hospital? Well, if you can remember, I said that it started showing up as seizures later. So I don't know if it was put together right away. And this is, remember, this is 1976. We could get away with all kinds of BS back then, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. So different, different strokes for different folks. It's a different time frame. Okay. So, okay. Where'd I leave off? That pisses me off. Yes. 
I knew this case was going to make you mad. Remember, I told you that. Mm -hmm. The only constant in Krista's life was her maternal grandmother, who truly loved and cared for Krista, and Krista developed a bond with her. She was the only family member with whom Krista felt loved, nurtured, and safe. Unfortunately, when Krista was 12 years of age, her maternal grandmother passed away. This led to Krista once again attempting suicide. She lost the only person that gave a shit about her. So on we go. Oh, there's a fly on my screen. When Krista was 13 years old, she was again sexually assaulted, assaulted. this time by her mother's boyfriend. Okay, so she was actually removed from the home by CPS. But only three months later, she was returned with the bare minimum of follow-up by CPS. Are you kidding me? No. So not only did her parents fail her, now... CPS is failing her? I think back in 1976, uh, that was probably pretty normal for that organization. They, I have heard many cases where they have just failed. So, I mean, I'm not trying to place blame on anybody, but it seems to me that a lot of people dropped the ball when it came to this child. Doomed. She was doomed. Yes, she didn't have a shot. Okay. So we're going to get ahead to when Krista was 17. Once again, she was raped, this time by a stranger. She was taken to the hospital and the rape was confer confirmed. But very little was done and this crime against her went unpunished. So Krista was dealt a pretty shitty hand in life. To summarize, she was beaten and abused by her father, mother's boyfriends, and basically brushed off by her mother not to mention the sexual crimes against this poor child beginning at the age of two. Add to this that she was basically thrown back and forth like a baseball, never having a true home. And she had, in, in the course of her short little life, she had changed schools 12 times throughout the years. 12 freaking school changes. Oh my. That is devastating. So she couldn't even form a, a basic friendship no. with anybody. And there's no stability in that. None whatsoever. The only minor part of stability she had was her grandmother. And that went away when she was 12, when oh. her grandmother passed away. This poor girl. But once again, you feel sorry for the child. And not the adult. Well, yep. she was the adult. So... Well, here we go. Yeah, because once again, I'm going to say, like I always do before we move on, there are thousands of individuals who deal with trauma, and they don't go on to do what Krista chooses to do. To me, using past trauma for an excuse doesn't sit well. People still know right from wrong, period. That will always be my stance on using past trauma as a catalyst for committing heinous acts of violence, period. Nothing or nobody will change my mind about that. No. When you know right from wrong, you figure out a way. You get help. You do what you need to do. And I just my mind is made up. It is not an excuse for doing that shit. I have a lot of trauma. Yes, you do. Should I go kill somebody? I 
freaking hope not. I couldn't even imagine doing it, so. No. It's, it, it's, it makes me want to, like, dig into their brains to figure out everything behind their decisions and stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, what are you doing? I was burping. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm drinking a but like, Sunny D vodka. But, it's amazing. But you know what I mean? Like, uh, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I was taking a drink. Damn you. Sorry. Sorry. I wasn't <laughs> watching you. But like, I want to know, like, I've had a lot of trauma since, you know, I was young, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I chose to learn from it and grow from it. I want to know what made them decide to go the other way, the way she goes. I think I have an answer for that. I can't answer for her, but I can answer from stupid things that I've done from my childhood. You know, my childhood wasn't the greatest. People that know me know this. I'm not going to elaborate. Um... And I did dumb, stupid, bad things. I didn't murder anybody, but I did shit that a normal, happy child wouldn't do. It's an easier path, I can tell you that. Going down that path is easier than facing your trauma and dealing with it. Finally, it came to me one day that the things that were done to me and that I went through were not my problem. But it takes a mature brain to come to that realization. And it took me a long time. I hated the world for the longest time. But I sure the hell didn't kill anybody. (laughs) Uh, Red flag. (laughs) Right? But no, I... I learned and grew and became the person I am today because of every event that took place in my life. So, you know, I just think that going down the wrong road is an easier path than facing everything that was done to you. That's my opinion. I am by no means a psychologist or a psychiatrist. That's just my personal feeling. So if anybody thinks different, don't come at me. So back to the story. Everybody is entitled to their own opinions. Yes, and that was my opinion. Now that I've laid out the groundwork on Krista's unstable, traumatizing childhood, we will trudge ahead. In 1994, Krista enrolled in Job Corps in Knoxville. She wanted to pursue a nursing assistant career. Right. Okay. In a short period of time, Krista met a young African-American boy named Tadaryl Ship. A Daryl ship? Ship. Ship. Oh. oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> okay. He was from Memphis. And Tadaryl claimed to be a Satanist, something he started learning about at the age of 11. And I didn't dig into his background, but I'm assuming that... It wasn't great. It was probably really crappy because his Satanism was a way for him to feel like he had belonged. So that's just a, uh, yeah, but I didn't want to, this case is long anyway. I didn't want to run down that rabbit hole. Plus all the bantering we're doing, it's going to be extra long. Oh, that's all right. 
At Job Corps, he had an altar in his dorm room closet for his Satan worship. Krista decided to embrace his Satanism. She even had a cartoon devil tattooed on her chest with the words Little Devil written under the caricature. Now, Krista and Tadaro were pretty much inseparable from the moment they met. Krista claimed Tadaro was the love of her life. Now, considering her childhood, I can understand how she would attach herself to the first person who showed her any kind of attention, be it positive or negative. Tadaro made her feel safe and protected. Which she hadn't felt. Right, since she was 12 and her grandma passed. But their relationship did not come without issues. Krista rather enjoyed smoking weed. I mean, as a lot of us do. But that was something that Tadaro absolutely hated. And every time he'd come across Krista's weed stash, he would get rid of it. And of course, this pissed Krista off and it eventually led to a physical altercation. Oh. Yeah. So Over weed? Yeah. Well, I don't think it was probably just the weed. I mean, you got to think back to all the... Yeah. There is more to it than just that. But anyway. Also a student at Job Corps, coming from Knoxville, coming to Knoxville from Florida to study computers was Colleen Slemmer. Colleen had dropped out of high school in the ninth grade due to struggling with a learning disability. But after being in Job Corps program for about a month, Colleen called her mom wanting to come home. She felt that it just was not the place for her. Sorry. So we're going to jump to Krista and Colleen did not get off to a good start. According to rumors going around the school, Colleen had allegedly slept with one of Krista's friends' boyfriends. And from what I could find, Krista apparently told Colleen that she better watch her back. Colleen basically told Krista to leave her alone and mind her own business, basically leap off a bridge. This interaction did not get them off to a very good threshold. Over Thanksgiving, Krista went home for the holiday, leaving Tadaro behind. The school was quite empty due to the students going back for break. Colleen happened to be one of the students who stayed back on the campus. Most students that Tadaro knew were gone, but he did run into a girl who was there and he thought she was cute. According to Tadaro, that is a weird name to say. According, according, according to, to, to Tadaro. They hit it off and ended up sleeping together. Ooh. Yeah. Big mistake. This girl just happened to be Colleen Slemmer, the girl who Krista already had a beef with. Oh, shit. Oh, shit is right. And I lost my Daryl absolutely was not going to tell Krista of his indiscretion. But apparently when Krista returned from the holiday, her gut instincts gave her the feeling that something was just off with her boyfriend. And she also noticed that Colleen seemed to be hanging around more. And she finally confronted Tadaryl, for which he played it off as nothing, and that he was just not interested in her at all. This just seemed to intensify the discord between Christina and Colleen. In Krista's mind, as Colleen had already slept with her friend's boyfriend, 
in her mind, she was now trying to hang around to Daryl, to Daryl. And she became the number one threat to Krista's relationship. And Krista was not going to stand around and let Colleen come between her and Tadaryl. Anything? You got nothing? Uh, I really need a drink. Can you come up with something? Oh, yeah. So if you guys notice a little change in the audio, I'm kind of playing with buttons. I thought I liked the setting I was on, but then I, as I was listening to you talk more, I pressed a different button, and I think this is the one. <laughs> oh, great. So we're going to end up re-recording, aren't we? No. <laughs> yeah, right. It'll be fine. Because I can still hear you clearly. Only it's better? A, yes. Okay, whatever. Tweak. Tweak away. Okay. I'm tweaking. Back. Oh, God. <laughs> Back to it. So over the following days, things between Krista and Colleen severely deteriorated. Deteriorated. During a phone call, Colleen told her mom that she was being harassed and threatened by someone on campus. But she did not give the name of her aggressor. But she told her mom she desperately wanted to come home. Her mother reminded her that of the six-month contract that she agreed to and signed, and that she should basically do her best to stick it out and complete her in intended goals. Which, as a mom, I would probably, you know, push for the same thing. Yeah, I, I, She's, I don't blame her for doing that. Me neither. So, over Christmas, Colleen went home for a two-week break. She was happy to reunite, reunite with her friends and family and really felt refreshed. Before the Christmas break, things between Colleen and Krista had worsened, and Colleen came back to Job Corps with a renewed hope that her and Krista would set aside their feud and mend the fences. Now, Christmas break was anything but refreshing for Krista. She went home to an abusive alcoholic mother who really did not give a damn about her. And Krista was actually looking forward to the end of the Christmas break and getting back to Job Corps. So when Krista returned, she found that all the drama was just the way she left it. And Tadaro really didn't help this matter at all. He made it sound like Colleen was pursuing him. I couldn't verify this one way or another if this was true or not. But I could just see some stupid little 17-year-old trying to make his girlfriend jealous saying, oh, well, while you were gone. Yeah. You know, this is just what plays through my mind. Right. So this only fueled the hate and jealousy Krista had for Colleen, exacerbating her belief that Colleen was trying to steal Tadaro from her. The next weeks, Tadaro grew tired of Krista's obsession and nagging about Colleen, which led to a bit of strife in their relationship. In Krista's mind, there was only one person to blame for her faltering love life, and that was Colleen. Things got so bad that the girls couldn't even pass each other in the hallway without calling each other names. Yeah, I don't miss that high school drama bullshit. No, and we got to remember these girls are what? 16, 17. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're. So in January, I got to quit saying so. I say that so much, it's just starting to piss me off. I think I say now a lot. When I do a case, I'm like, okay, now. It's Every fine. time I say that, smack me with that fly sweater you have in your hand. <laughs> I have got to get off that word. It's fine. No, I don't like it. In January, 
Krista returned to her room to find her belongings destroyed. Her clothing was torn up, her photo album was shredded, and there was burned photos, including ruined photos of her grandmother, who she loved so much, and she lost at the age of 12. So this really had... What are you doing? There's a wasp. Oh, shit. Oh, get it again, again. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to take a little drink break because that yeah. scared crap on me. So just hold on a second. So mom just got stung the other day and her arm is swollen twice the size. And if I get stung, probably have to stop recording and take me to the hospital. <laughs> Don't you have an EpiPen? No, I haven't got it. Somebody I have nothing stung. to stab you with? No. Great. Oh, um. um the bees are so bad, I really wish that you would do something about that problem. Well, uh, yeah. Get on it. Give me give me the money to <laughs> buy it outright then. Oh my gosh, on a side, I have to tell you something funny. Yeah, insurance doesn't cover it, but this is funny. Just what you said, give me the money. Okay, so I took my nine, ten-year-old now, and the grandkids to the gas station before we came, and Eli wanted that. Eli wanted this and he wanted that and whatever. And the cash guy says, oh, that's all, you know, kids think their moms have money. And I said, yeah, he thinks it's like, it just grows out of my pockets. And Eli looks at me and he goes, well, that's what mom stands for. Made of money. Oh my. Dude, I got nothing. <laughs> my 10 year old said this to me. I got nothing. <laughs> Oh Where in the hell did he learn that? I don't know. That's my little brother. Oh, for the love of Pete. Oh my God. Okay, so at this point, I'm going to try to get back on track because... Yeah, we're deteriorating. Or, uh, what's the word? We're just going to skip that because it'll take us too long <laughs> to think of it. So the photographs of her grandmother, who she loved so much, and lost at the age of 12, were basically destroyed. Krista only had one person in mind who would have done this to her. And that would I'll... piss me the fudge off. Fudge off. Yeah, you can't replace those. No. Uh, grandma's gone. But... And who do you think she blamed for this? I'll give you one guess. The Claudia? What's her name? Oh my gosh, are you not paying attention? <laughs> I am. I just can't remember all the... There's a lot of C's. There's Carissa. There's Christy. And then there's... Krista. Colleen. Colleen. I was close. Did you say Claudia? You've lost your ever-loving <laughs> mind. Maybe I should have another drink. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, so guys, this is where I got to start shuffling around in my notes because my computer notes are now done. So, yes, it was Colleen that she blamed. You know, this is the only person that could have done it to her. Right. No, oh my gosh, we're, I can't read my own writing. We're already at 32 minutes. Holy crap. Okay, I'm going to move along. Krista was going to make client. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think I was going to say colonoscopy or colonoscopy. Never mind. So, hit me with a fly swatter. I said the word. No. You be a, you be. I am a bee. Krista. I'm a bee, I'm a bee, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bee. <laughs> Do you know how far off track we are? <laughs> Sorry. 
we are going to lose every listener that we have. It ain't, <laughs> it ain't many. <laughs> <laughs> There's over 200 and some. Okay. Okay, back to it now. Krista was going to make Colleen pay for this invasion no matter how much Tadaryl tried to calm her down. And he reminded her that she had been written up so many times that she couldn't risk getting into any more trouble because, you know, she... What? There's a spider crawling towards me. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's another wasp in here, too. Oh, my gosh. All right. She'd been... She'd been written up so many times that she couldn't risk getting into any more trouble because, you know, the next line of action is probably going to be expelled. Expulsion? What do you call that? Explosion. Explosion? Expulsion. 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 I don't know. Okay. So anyway, the plan was made to lure Colleen to Tyson Park, which is located nearby the school. Krista enlisted the help of her friend Shadala just in case she needed some backup. Krista went on to be nice to Colleen in order to lure her to the park to carry out her plan. Over the next few days, she accomplished this, and on January 12th, Krista asked Colleen to join her and some friends to walk to Blockbuster to rent a movie. Under the impression that their ongoing feud was finally put to rest, Colleen agreed to join, to join them. At 8 p.m., they met in the parking lot and started their journey to Blockbuster. When they got near the entrance to Tyson Park, Krista said she had some weed stashed in the park and they should go smoke before they continued to Blockbuster. Gotta turn the page. Any day now. My fingers are slippery. Okay. Krista to Daryl, Shadella, here we go with another name, and Colleen headed into the park. After walking in the park for what seemed like forever, Colleen began suspecting that there was not a weed stash. She began to look around nervously, and with good reason. Krista faced off with Colleen, with Tadaryl and Shadala close behind her, and Krista started throwing punches on Colleen. Colleen fought back, of course, but Krista got the upper hand, pinning Colleen to the ground and hit her over and over again. Colleen warned Krista that when they got back to the school, she was going to report Krista, which would in turn get her expelled. Colleen jumped up and tried to make an escape, but Tadaryl stopped her escape by tripping her. When Krista caught up, she instructed Tadaryl to knock her out. Tadaryl took Colleen's head and slammed it against the ground with all of his strength. This did daze Colleen, but she still had enough wherewithal to continue to try to fight and struggle. This is when Krista crosses the line. She pulls out a box cutter and slashed Colleen across the stomach. Page turning. At this point, Shadala said that they couldn't let Colleen go. They would be in way too much trouble. During this moment, Colleen once again attempted an escape, but Krista grabbed a large rock and threw it at Colleen, hitting her in the back with enough force to knock her to the ground. Krista and Tadaryl grabbed her and dragged her back to where Shadala was. Blood loss was making Colleen grow weak, and she changed her tactic from escape to trying to reason with Krista. She said she wasn't interested in Tadaryl, 
And if she would just leave her alone, she would go back to Florida without speaking of the assault. And Colleen begged. But the more Colleen begged, the more Krista became aggravated. And she lashed out with the box cutter, slashing Colleen over and over as Colleen tried in her weakened state to get away, thus making Krista even more angry. Krista made Colleen remove her clothes from the waist up and went on to pull out a small meat cleaver. Let's just swap the box cutter out for a meat cleaver. She slashed at Colleen's body and then at her throat. But Colleen was still making noise. Please give me a second. As she was slashing, sorry, could you hear that? As she was slashing at Colleen, she said, and I quote, the bitch won't die, unquote. Jesus. Yep. As she was still making noise, Krista took her hair scarf out of her hair and put it around Colleen's mouth, trying to shut her up. Tadaryl helped secure the gag and then took the box cutter and carved a pentagram into Colleen's chest. Now, there's also said to, that they carved a pentagram into her forehead. But with all of the damage to her and the trauma to her, this was unable to be verified. But one of the suspects did say that they also carved a pentagram into her forehead. Now, I would like to remind you all that uh, Colleen is very much alive when this is happening. So, this torture went on over the course of approximately 45 minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes. This girl 45. was being slashed and hacked and beaten and kicked and just brutalized. And despite her injuries, she was still alive. Yeah. Oh, these flies. To Daryl and Krista, whoops. Oh, insert number three. I gotta go to page three here. Sorry. Um, give me a minute. I thought you did too. Apparently I'm not as smart as I thought I was. So anyway, um, there I said that word again. So, after she said that Krista wouldn't die. Should I pause it so you can get your shit together? No. <laughs> okay, she was still alive. So as she was still alive, um, Krista decided to find something close to her. And what she found was a big block of asphalt. She started bashing in her head with the ass <gasps> wasp. Ooh, get it. Oh, God. <gasps> oh. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? I don't know. You're the one that hit it. You said the F word. Oh. 
Just sit your butt down. Let's finish. It's fine. If it bites one of us. Oh, there it is. It's on the ground. Stomp it. Right there. Where? Oh, my God. It's coming. Where? Right there. Oh, my God. I'm the one that's going to get bit. You told me to get it. Okay. Get back here. Okay, you've got to hit the pause button. These people, this, there's got to be a pause button. Pause it. Okay, we're back. We apologize. Mom, continue. Brianna wants to re-record, but um, I vetoed that. So if you don't like the epi the crap that went down, hit, hit the 15-second fast-forward button to get through it. I don't want to re-record. So I think I left off that Krista had taken a ass a big chunk of asphalt mm -hmm. yep. okay and she started bashing in her head with the asphalt now Tadaro yelled at her to stop and that and told her that was enough in response Krista said and I quote no I want to see her brains flow oh she was on a mission she was on a mission the last thing that Christy Krista said to Colleen was, Colleen, do you know who is doing this to you? And with that said, she threw the final blow with the asphalt, dropping it on Colleen's head and cracking her skull until her brains did start flowing out. She actually did it? Yep. And when she saw the brains flowing out of Krista's bashed-in head, she began dancing and singing around Colleen's now lifeless body. Oh my God. And this was 45 minutes of, of pure hell. This. Pure hell. So after this, after she was done dancing and doing whatever, you know, celebrating her victory, Tadaryl and Krista then drug Colleen's lifeless body into some bushes and Krista decided to take a trophy a trophy a trophy did it, she have like a necklace or no jewelry no she took a piece of Colleen's skull her skull and put it in her pocket yep good grief on the way back to the Pause. Sorry. My uh, daughter was bringing her homework to me and didn't realize we were still recording. So Okay. Back to it. We got to quicken this up. So on the way back to the Job Corps, they stopped at a gas station to clean up. And on the, in, in, on the way to the dorms, one of Krista's friends ran into them and asked her, what happened to your pants? They were covered in blood and mud. Krista replied, I fell in the mud. Later, Krista went to her friend Kim's room. She was dancing and jumping with excitement, telling Kim that she had some very big news to share. Krista pulled what looked like a rock out of her pocket, grinned, and told Kim it was a bone. And then Krista went on to tell Kim where the bone came from. Now, Kim didn't believe Krista, therefore did not report what she was told. This sounds like Daniel Marsh all over again. Yep. The next day at breakfast, Kim asked, 
what did you do with the skull? For which Krista replied, it's in my pocket. And quote, yes, I'm eating breakfast with it. Unquote. Um, she is messed up. Right? Very messed up. Wow. Yeah. So in class the next day, she showed another friend the piece of skull and went on to tell that friend that the spots on her shoes were not mud. They were blood. And once again, the story was not believed and went on unreported. Always take it seriously. It's better to look like an idiot for reporting something that's not true than not reporting it when it is true. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So over the next day or so, people began to notice and become aware of Colleen's absence and began wondering if Krista's tall tale wasn't a tale at all. And rumors began to travel through the school. Krista then took some friends to Tyson Park, leading them to the crime scene, which by this time was buzzing with police because Colleen's body had been discovered. Krista had the nerve to ask the nearest officer what was going on. And he told her there was an unidentified body. Her curiosity was then satisfied and they returned to the school. Police said the crime scene was grisly. The body was so beaten and mutilated that they could only tell the victim was a female. And the only clue that the police had at this time was the pentagram, pentagram carved into the victim's chest. Wow. Yeah. On January 14, 1995, there was a break in the case. A mom had called in about a, the Job Corps program and reported that her daughter was a Job Corps student, and she'd called her mother about one of her classmates interested in Satanism. And this had terrified the girl. The investigator went to the student's house and had her go to the station for further questioning. At the station, she told everything she knew, and from this interview, the investigator learned that the people he wanted to question were Krista Pike and Tadaryl Ship. He also learned he needed to interview, interview Shadella Shadella, Shadala Peterson. He was told that they were into Satanism and that Krista had been bragging around the school about a murder. When the investigators checked the logbook, they found that the three suspects and one Colleen Slemmer had all checked out, but only three suspects had checked back in. Krista, Tadaryl, and Shadala were taken in for questioning. The investigator questioned Krista first. When he asked her about the body in the park, she agreed to talk but refused to name anyone that was with her. Krista excitedly told the investigator about the events that took place, almost like she enjoyed reliving what she had done. Wow. Yeah. They next questioned Tadaryl, and he also spilled his guts. He admitted carving the pentagram into Colleen's chest and that she was a sacrifice to the devil. He also appeared to have zero remorse for his part in this brutal act. Shadala was, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. She was the next to be interviewed. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. I don't give a rip about any of these guys. So the next to be interviewed was Shadala, and her account of the events coincided with what the other two had said in their interview. All three of the teens were booked on murder charger charges. 
They had found all the evidence they needed for a conviction in their dorm rooms, including Krista's bloody jeans, both of the murder weapons, and the satanic altar into Daryl's closet. Did they ever find the piece of skull that she was carrying around? They did, and I didn't put this in the inter in here, but it was, but it was never returned to the family. And the reason for that is because they need to hold on to it through the appeals process. So the family was never returned specific. And that's, I, I just left that alone. I didn't want to dig that deep. So, okay. but, but yeah, as of right now, I, I don't know if her appeals are all over with right now. So I don't know up to date if it has been returned. Tadaryl and Shadella were not tried as adults. So the death penalty was off the table for these two. They weren't? Tried? They were not tried as adults. Um, Shadella was charged with accessory to murder and was released to her family on a $100,000 bond. Shadella did plead guilty to accessory to murder and received six years probation. Six years? She didn't serve time? No. But she didn't participate. She could have. She was an accessory. She was there, but physically she did not participate. And I think that her testimony. She probably made, you know, some kind of deal. I didn't dig that deep either. Mm. It was a long case to begin with. And then to Daryl, he had the same charges as Krista, but he was tried as a juvenile also, and he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison plus 25 years for a conspiracy charge. Good. And Krista was not so fortunate, which, yay. She was tried as an adult. And that made this a death penalty case. In March of 1996, Krista Pike was found guilty of first-degree murder and cons conspiracy to commit murder. On the first-degree murder charge, she was sentenced to death by the electric chair, electric chair. On the conspiracy charge, she was sentenced to 25 additional years. This earning her the title of being the youngest person on death row in the United States. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if she bragged about that, like she bragged about killing. <clears throat> well, I'm going to add something to this. I have a quote that's probably going to piss you off. A quote from Krista? Krista in a letter. So after the sentencing, Krista wrote a letter to, to, to Daryl in which she wrote, and I quote, you see what I get for trying to be nice to the hoe? I went ahead and bashed her brains out so she'd die quickly instead of letting her bleed to death and suffer more, and they fucking fry me. Ain't that some shit? Unquote. She said that? She wrote that in a letter to Tadaro. That is a direct quote from that letter. Trying to be nice? Yeah. Like She was showing mercy? Come on, give me a Rugging, fudging break. And that's my case, guys. I'll be damned. So is she still on death row? <laughs> yes. Now, at one point she wanted to forego her appeals and have a 
death carried out. But her family and her lawyers talked her out of it. So she is still going through the appeals process. And as of now, she is still sitting on death row. So I she say wanted to die. She did. But then she changed her mind because of the family and stuff. But to me, I say fry the bitch. I'm sorry. Fry her. Family meaning like her mom and her dad? I do not know. I didn't get into that. I mean, it just said family. Hmm. I didn't research any longer. This this case was, my brain was fried by the time I was done with this. It, it's, if it was her parents, because I'm assuming that's pretty much the only family she really had left. I would assume, well, I think she had some half-sisters and brothers and stuff, but it really didn't, I didn't find out much about them. Oh, but I do have a little interesting tidbit. Her father kicked her out for allegedly sexually abusing her two-year-old half-sister. Yeah. I didn't want to dig down that rabbit hole anyway, but anywhere, any, either. But I just thought I'd throw that tidbit in there real quick. So, Just fry the bitch and be done with it. Get her off the face of the earth. There's no rehabbing her. Come on. Uh, yeah, I don't think there is either. I feel terrible for what she went through as a child. Absolutely. But That's... she could have become a better person. She could have made something of herself. She could have walked a different path. She chose the path that she walked, and she needs to suffer the consequences for that. And the world would be a safer place with her behind bars. And plus, save taxpayer money. Come on. Yeah, but, you know, if it's her wish to die right away why should she get what she wants <laughs> it's got to be torturous because 23 hours out of a 24 hour day she sits isolated in a cell she good. gets taken outside one hour per day and that is it good yeah no shit Don't keep doing that that's more torturous than being put to it death. is but this would happen in what 1995 96 She's been sitting in there long enough. It Just get rid of her. And I say that, I mean, I know it sounds harsh. But what? look at what she did. She needs to pay the price. Yeah. Eye for an eye. So that concludes this uh, crazy case and crazy events that took place during our recording which we highly apologize for. And once again, I'm going to reiterate the fact, and I will do this every time. This podcast is about minor murderers, and we focus on that. But as always, our hearts absolutely bleed for the victims' families. Absolutely. So um, we don't take that lightly, but we do focus on murder, yep. the murders. So. Agreed. And if you guys have any case recommendations, um, any advice or your thoughts on the case or anything like that, um, you can email us at minersofmayhem at gmail.com. Um, I believe we forgot to plug in that stuff our last episode, so I you figured. For yeah, you oh, forgot. It wasn't I me. Forgot. It was your case. Well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm kidding. It's fine. Um. We still don't have a... We're waiting for cameras, aren't we? Yeah. We don't have an idea of 
what exactly we're going to do yet, but we do still plan on doing video um, and posting to our YouTubes. Could you imagine if we were doing live video today when we got attacked by two wasps? Oh, no. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Yes, it would have. But, um, well, thanks for that yeah. ugly case. You're so very welcome. I'm, I'm glad to have made your stomach sick and angered you. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see you next week. I have no idea what I'm doing yet, so stay tuned. Bye. Bye.